Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's always football season here at VEASAN, which is why we've already released our NFL betting guide. Our 2023 NFL betting guide will help you get ahead of the upcoming NFL season with in-depth profiles of every team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, and proprietary betting trends, plus best bets on season win totals, futures, and props. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19 and get your digital copy of the VEASAN NFL betting guide or take advantage of our summer kickoff special and get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for only $175. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We are inside 60 days until the start of the NFL season. Week one, I think it's officially about to be 57 days away Lions and Kansas City Chiefs to open the 2023 NFL season a lot of NFL headlines news and notes especially in the last 24 hours and so we welcome in Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports National NFL writer based in Philadelphia so we'll talk a little NFC East as well here Uh, Jeff but with the Alvin Kamara news coming out yesterday uh, in in pleading no contest pleads to a lesser charge here so many uh, so many people have wondered all right when is this pseudo suspension when will it actually happen here we thought maybe it would be in the 2022 season obviously it's all been pushed back now what's the latest you've heard from around the league as far as the actual timeline here and what should we expect as far as an actual suspension goes so as for a national timeline the nfl is looking at every possible scenario right now with the Alvin Kamara suspension. I, I don't think it's going to be a year at this point. I, I would, my guess would be four to six games. If we're going to be quite honest. Now, when the NFL hands that down, I would guess they would like to get that done by the time the first week of training camp is, but I, I mean, it, it's very rough. You guys know how the NFL is. They could drop a punishment like literally right now that they wanted to, maybe they already had the punishment lined up, but now that they know that, the felony's gone, and there's a lighter misdemeanor. We'll see what happens with Alvin Kamara there. But I've been trying to tell a lot of fantasy owners at this point, hey, you guys better get ready for some Jamal Williams the first couple of weeks. I like the assessment there, and I tend to agree with you, Jeff. I think it is going to be four to six games as well, just based on the way the plea agreement worked out. I want to go a little bit here to the NFC East. We haven't seen a team repeat in almost 20 years in that division. Philadelphia looks pretty stacked, but I thought the loss of Hargrave to go into the 49ers as a free agent was a big loss on that defensive front. Tell me a little bit about how you look at this team losing both coordinators and how you assess the Eagles coming into this season and their chances, not only in the East, but bigger picture in the NFC. Oh, the Javon Hargrave lost him, especially who they lost him to. The 49ers was huge. I thought the 49ers got significantly better because they added Javon Hargrave. And now you have Javon Hargrave and Nick Bosa there. The 49ers only got one sack on the defensive interior last year. When Just one. When Javon Hargrave lined up on the interior, I think he had seven in the end. I'm trying to remember his total overall. I want to say it was 11 that, you know, that off the top of my head here. But as far as losing both coordinators for Philadelphia, I think they're going to miss Shane Steichen a lot more than they're going to miss Jonathan Gannon. Gannon was a good defensive coordinator, don't get me wrong, but Steichen was the guy who developed Jalen Hurts. Uh, Justin Herbert always spoke highly of Shane Steichen every time I talked to him. Jalen Hurts did the same thing. Now, Brian Johnson, who's replacing Shane Steichen, I, I will say this about him. Him and Jalen Hurts have pretty much been together forever. They're like family, you know. Brian Johnson, 
uh, played for uh, a Varian Hurts, Jalen Hurts' father. Remember, he was on the cover of NCAA football at one time. So, uh, you know, Brian Johnson knows his stuff for a, you know, a mid-30s uh, NFL coordinator. This is his chance to call plays. Uh, do I think they're gonna, there's going to be an adjustment? Yeah, I do. But at the same time, I kind of like the whole Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurts connection because that was the one thing that, Ultimately, Jalen Hurts has been working with mm-hmm. uh, this whole time. As, as much as they're going to mistake in his, his play calling, it, it's still going to benefit Hurts. Yeah, Jeff, you bring up a couple of great points. First of all, you're correct on the hard grade with 11 sacks. And then the other point he mentioned about Brian Johnson, I don't know if you remember, Ben, but I'm sure Jeff remembers. Brian Johnson was like 12 years old when he got to Utah. I mean, it was like <laughs> yeah. the youngest quarterback in Division One. I. I was like, I think he like graduated. He got his driver's license at the same time. <laughs> Pretty, it's pretty unbelievable. Much. I think it's good. Jeff, to your point, though, um, I think it's great. It's a great relationship when you have certain age co- combinations become much more relatable. And I think that'll benefit Hertz. I, I think so, too. And, and again, really, the only question is, how's Brian Johnson as a play caller? Yeah. We know he can develop quarterbacks. We know every strength he has with Jalen Hurts. I think that's why the Eagles brought in Marcus mm-hmm. Mariota to make life easy in case Hurts goes down. You got a mobile quarterback there. But how's this guy going to call plays? How different is the offense going to look? Again, when I was there in minicamp, you're not going to see much, but it's not like the offense looked completely different here. But I'm curious to see how that rolls out training camp in the preseason. But we probably won't know anything the week one anyway because the Eagles are one of the most secretive organizations mm-hmm. in all professional sports. Yeah, 11 and a half on the win total, second favorites in the and the overall championship odds at plus 650. Is Jeff Kerr joined us at Jeff Kerr CBS covering the NFL for CBS Sports. And that's what I wonder as far as adjustments are on the defensive side against Philadelphia this year because it kind of took the league by storm mm-hmm. last year. Some of the short yardage running plays that they ran it, that we, we all sat in. Like, you always know it's something that's really effective when teams are coming out and saying, Oh, that should be illegal. I mean, when, when they don't know how to defend it, so they say, ah, oh, just ban it. So what, what legitimate uh, adjustments do you expect to see? And how will Philadelphia counter that as we head into a year where now Philadelphia is going to have the target on their back, right? And, and, and you imagine teams will have something special up their sleeves. So are teams going to like just have every player squat as much as Jalen Hurts does? Because I think that, that <laughs> yeah. that's been the whole thing of the tush push. Like, I, I personally love it. I, I love it. It feels like 1930s, 1940s football. You're just pushing the guy across the line and he's already big. I mean, I'm surprised more teams haven't tried that. Like, and I, and I get, I get not everybody's Jalen Hurts, but you would figure a lot of quarterbacks would be able to do this. And maybe the Eagles just figure we got a quarterback who's huge. We got a huge offensive line that can pretty much block for anybody who's going to stop it. I, I think what teams need to do is they need to get more players like Aleem McNeil, you know, I remember Gilbert Brown, you gotta get players yep. like him. I think that's, what's going to stop the, the ultimate tush push, but I just don't think defensive linemen are carved like that anymore. I think everything speed, 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 and you're not really going for the bigger type of guy. So, I mean, really the only way to stop the tush push right now is to ban it. I hope they don't. I don't even know why Philly throws the ball. There's no way you're yeah. stopping Hurts from getting 10 yards in four plays, but that's another story. Um, Jeff, right now when you look at the running back position, kind of staying in that area, Dalvin Cook gets released by the Minnesota Vikings. Jonathan Taylor's coming up on free agency. Saquon Barkley gets signed to a, uh, a franchise tag. Where are we going with the running back position? And is this just going to be guys that have to hope they get drafted in the first or second round cash in then, and then they just become undervalued or underappreciated as they get towards free agency? I look at guys like Josh Jacobs. I mean, what the heck does this guy have to do yeah. to get a contract? He just ran for 1,500 yards. He's the first uh, Raiders running back to lead the league in, run, in rushing yards since Marcus Allen. That was in the 80s, and he can't get a contract. And is the franchise tag smart for the Raiders? Yes, it is, but it's not smart for Josh Jacobs. And Josh Jacobs has every right to hold out right now. He's been more than productive. He's had 40 touchdowns over the last four years. He's a great player. Same with Saquon Barkley. Do I think Saquon Barkley is the same type of player he was, say, three, four years ago before the ACL tear? No, but he's still really good. I, I think he can be caught now, but as last year showed, he didn't have the greatest offensive line, and he mm-hmm. still was able to produce it from the numbers. It's, I just don't know where, where teams are going to go from here. It's, they just don't want to pay running backs that much. So Miles Sanders got $6.5 million a year from the Carolina Panthers, and that was under his market value, and he couldn't wait to sign that deal because it was four years and there was a lot of guaranteed money. I, I think that's what running backs need now. It's the guaranteed money, and I just feel bad for guys like Nick Chubb and you know uh, Tony Pollard. I mean, Tony Pollard's going to sign his franchise tag, I think. I, I know he's getting $10 million, but still, like, 
he was barely getting paid anything for a running back. And Dallas could have just let him walk with no penalty. Yeah, crazy how that is. That is not working. That, that's just how the reality is in modern NFL. Uh, as far as you talk about a team like Dallas and the rest of this NFC East division, where now you have Mike McCarthy as the play caller, no longer is it Kellen Moore at OC. What are you envisioning as far as how this will play out here, as far as that offensive play calling side in Dallas, and how optimistic would you be that under McCarthy, Dallas will get to the, the so-called promised land they've been waiting for for so long? I am optimistic for the Cowboys as a team. I am not optimistic about Mike McCarthy. Let's just say that. Uh, I did not like how Mike McCarthy ran Aaron Rodgers those last couple of years. Uh, I, I was very frustrated with how he was kind of wasting Aaron Rodgers' talents. And you get, you know, you get a guy like Mike LaFleur in there. Uh, Matt LaFleur, sorry. I, I'm getting my LaFleur's mixed up. Matt, Matt LaFleur. And Aaron Rodgers goes on and wins MVPs. I, I think Dak Prescott... While he won't throw the interceptions he did last year, I think he could take a step back. I thought Kellen Moore was a good addition for the Cowboys over the last couple of years. I thought he got the most out of Dak Prescott. It just felt like Kellen Moore was the scapegoat to Mike McCarthy's failures. And I, I love this Cowboys team. I think they're talented. I think they're good enough to go to the NFC Championship game and break that stigma, that that drought. But can they win a championship with Mike McCarthy going plays? A, mm. I, I don't think so. I just think that's too much to ask. I think it's a great point. Jeff, we've got about 30 seconds. The addition of Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. Good overall, great overall, or neutral for you? Or negative even? Oh, I'll say this. The Jets are going to make the playoffs for the first time in 12 years. So I think that that's going to be a good thing for them. Uh, can they win the Super Bowl? I don't know. I think the AFC is too loaded, but sign me up for Aaron Rodgers, Brees Hall, and Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I and agree. Guys. It's, I, I, sign me up for that. I don't like how Elijah Moore is going, but and Aaron Rodgers kind of brought his guys in, but mm -hmm. it's still, they're still going to be a good team. Uh, Garrett Wilson's going to be a stud this year. He is Jeff Kerr. Give him a follow at Jeff Kerr CBS covering all things NFL for CBS sports. They're based in Philadelphia. Jeff, we really appreciate the, the insight. Thanks so much for coming on. Yep. Thanks for having me on guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. And they made it official today. Jets hard knocks. Yep. I, I mean, keep your HBO subscription. Apparently I, yeah, I love what he said there though. That trio uh, Rogers, yeah. Uh, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. I think it's going to be outstanding. We finally got our we finally got our confirmation on the hard knocks for the New York Jets. We'll play a little dead or alive here on Sharp Money when we return to Beeson. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hour number two of Sharp Money from Las Vegas at our South Point Sportsbook Studio. I'm Ben, in for Patrick. Amal's here on the desk, Dustin behind the glass. Time to talk a little college football. We got Cruton, we got Futures Amal, player Futures as well. Some interesting uh, Heisman movement we want to get into uh, here in the next few minutes as we welcome in Brooks Austin. Joins us from uh, Georgia as he is the uh, director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated on the writing side. Also covers the Georgia Bulldogs for Dogs Daily. So, Brooks, great to have you on. We really appreciate you joining us here on a on a Wednesday. And I feel like the whole recruiting cycle, like, does it ever end? I mean, I see you tweeting this morning about the number one prospect in 2026, like narrowing his list down to eight. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, it's it's constant, and you know, like it's it's going faster now than it used to. Like, I think early enrollment plays a major ro- a role in the recruiting cycle nowadays. That's why it's moved up so much. That's why the calendars pushed up so much. So many kids are already enrolled come December. Early national signing day, they sign and then they get on campus as soon as possible. Uh, but man, that, that recruiting calendar's moved up so fast. Like now, I, I did the numbers the other day of the top two hundred players on the consensus twenty four seven composite rankings. Uh, of those 200 players, 65% of them are already committed, verbally committed here in July. So, like, most of the class is already wrapped up come, you know, senior seasons because they're not really senior seasons anymore. Uh, they're, they're basically just the last three months of high school. These kids don't really do graduation anymore. They don't do their senior proms. They're, they're on college campuses playing college football come that time of the year. Yeah, I love that breakdown you gave that. It gets you one year closer to free agency if you can make it to yep. the league. I mean, that's a big difference. But I want to get into the dogs. This team, obviously, defending national champions two years in a row. Now they got to replace, obviously, Stetson Bennett, who's done a tremendous job. Carson Beck takes over. For people that are unfamiliar with him, talk a little bit about him, some strengths with him, and some things that you might see as a potential weakness. Yeah, no, an interesting stat on Carson Beck. He signed in the 2020 signing class. He is the only quarterback in the 2020 signing class that has neither started a game at his, you know, the school he signed at or transferred since that class. So basically every kid that signed in 2020 has either made a start at the school he signed at, or they've entered the transfer portal. Carson Beck has done neither. And I think it speaks to who he is and and he's definitely waited his turn and earned his term um, or, you know, time, if you will. This is a guy who beat out Stetson Bennett twice to be JT Daniels' backup, you know, as a redshirt freshman in 2021 in the spring and then again in the fall. And then when JT Daniels got hurt against Clemson, it's kind of a toss-up, hey, competition between him and Stetson Bennett. And Stetson Bennett goes out and wins that competition, starts against UAB. The rest is kind of history. 30 games later, Stetson Bennett wins two national titles. And Carson Beck still hasn't started a college football game despite the fact that you know, there's a lot of people in that building that would tell you Carson Beck's the most talented in the room of all of those quarterbacks, and that includes a five-star in the form of Brock Vandegrift. So who is Carson Beck? Carson Beck's a six foot five, 225-pound football player that's immensely talented that most of the national media probably doesn't know about because he doesn't go to Manning Passing Academies. He didn't go to the Elite 11. He wasn't a five-star. He's just this six foot five, 230-pound kid from Mandarin High School that you know, won the first state title ever in that high school's uh, classification in the state of Florida out of Jacksonville. So he's a good football player. He knows he's a good football player. Georgia knows he's a good football player. I just don't think the national media does quite yet. It's, it's funny because you say all those uh, kind of the description of what he is as a quarterback, and it just reminds me of what how we talked about Stetson Bennett when he came in on, onto the fold, right? Mm-hmm. His guy was very unheralded and, and not somebody you would have expected to be in a position like that. And then here he was leading lead the dogs uh, to a national title. And so Brooks, each of the last couple of seasons down, especially last year, general thought and consensus was, all right, George is losing so much talent to the next level. There's just no way you can replace all that and expect to be loaded once more. But we learned last year that that certainly did not come true. And now their, their odds are overwhelming minus 250 to make the playoff. Uh, how do you view you know, kind of view this transition now coming into 2023 where more big talent that they have to replace from last year, but odds certainly indicating that they are the team to beat by a wide margin. 
you know, they've always been a defensive-led football team. They kind of lean on their, you know, their program's culture on their defensive front. I think they're going to be a really, really good offensive unit this year despite transi- transitioning into a new offensive coordinator with Todd Munkin having left – or Todd Munkin having left going to the NFL and Mike Bobo stepping in. You know, I think they have a chance to win the Joe Moore Award, you know, the, the award given for the nation's best offensive line in the country. They have four returning starters on that offensive line. The only non-returning starter is Amarius Mims. He's a six foot seven, 330-pound tackle. Most NFL evaluators are evaluating him in the first round of, of next year's NFL draft. So he's not a starter, but he's an NFL football player stepping into that role. And, and they've always been a run-heavy football team, right? Well, they brought in two transfers, Dominic Lovett and Rob Rod Thomas, um, who were starters in the SEC and contributors in the SEC uh, via the transfer portal this offseason. Of course, they have Brock Bowers at the tight end position as well. We've already talked a little bit about Carson Beck. Defensively, you know, they do have to reload. And I think the first time, for the first time in a couple of years, they don't have a guaranteed first-round draft pick on that defensive line. I mean, in the last couple of years, they've had, you know, four or five of them entering the year, it felt like. In 2021, they did have four or five on the roster. Last year, of course, they had Jalen Carter. This year, they don't really have that staple. So if you were to say, hey, where are they kind of, you know, vulnerable, it would be their ability to stop the run. That's not immediately guaranteed this year based off of their roster construction. Brooks, I'm not trying to minimize what the dogs have to face schedule-wise, but to me, Georgia's got to win four football games this year to win a national title. they got to win on Rocky Top. They've got to win the SEC title, and then they got to win two playoff games. And I think the fact that they've got 10 weeks to get ready for Rocky Top, and I, look, I get the game at Auburn. You know, I know people at Auburn probably think it's a, bit, a tighter game. I still think Georgia's talent is so far superior. I love Kendall Milton. You know, to me, I think that the stable of running backs and the way they've recruited there has been unbelievable at the tailback position. Yeah, I think a lot of people point to that Tennessee game. I, I like to point to that uh, that South Carolina game, September 13th, just because it's the first SEC football game, first real test, if you will, even though it's not the hardest of tests for Carson Beck. But, hey, that first one, at least you get it at home, right? But Spencer Rattler is certainly a capable SEC college quarterback worthy of putting up points. So if for some reason defense comes out flat that day, you get in a shootout, that might be a, 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 a temporary scare. But the one I have circled for a variety of reasons isn't necessarily Tennessee. I think Tennessee season's going to kind of be in the wraps by then. They play LA, I think they played Texas A&M, Alabama, um, and, and another big game on the road before that even happens in the middle of their season. So the, the one I'm circling is that Ole Miss game for a variety of reasons, and it's, it's mainly because they can run the football. Most people will tell you to, to overcome an upset or to, to – to, you know, be an underdog and win a football game outright, you have to have the ability to limit possessions. That's a fancy way of saying you have to be able to run the football. And with Judkins and, and Jackson Dart and, and Lane Kiffin's ability to design a run game, I think Ole Miss has the opportunity to control the football and control the clock this year against a Georgia football team. I'm not saying they have an ability to blow them out, but I'm, I mean, that's the only yeah. one I see that on the schedule outside of Tennessee that keeps it close because they have the ability to do so. And you got to be able to design winners. That's something that Lane Kiffin's shown in his history. Hey, I can, I can be explosive as anybody if you're given the opportunity to do so. Yeah, Ben, I think Brooks makes a great point. When you look at uh, Ulysses uh, Bennett on that team and, of course, Judkins running the football, the sure. only thing is, to me, between the hedges, it's so tough to win. Uh, that is always. That is always. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, it's easier, easier said than, uh, than done. Uh, Brooks Austin, BA is where you can follow Brooks on Twitter. Fan Nation's director of recruiting, also lead editor for Dogs Daily. And you think about the rest of the, uh, the SEC this year, and it, it's just bizarre to come into a campaign, Brooks, where there's just not a lot of buzz about Alabama. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are, are, are super afraid of what the tide will represent on the field with a nine and a half win total they're plus money to make the playoff uh, what's your take on what we'll see down in t-town in 23 i think a lot of that has to do with the questions at the quarterback position they don't have a single guy on the roster with more than 60 attempts um you know career attempts tyler bugner and Jalen milrow are odds on favorites to kind of compete and then ty simpson as well in there in that quarterback room i think the buckner move coming down from Uh, Notre Dame, obviously, Tommy Reese being the offensive coordinator now in Alabama, there's some consistency there. You know, a a quarterback in the room that at least knows the playbook. So I would give Tyler Buckner kind of the nod, if you will, right now in July to probably be the starting quarterback there. And that doesn't necessarily instill confidence, particularly when you have a team in LSU out there in the SEC West that a lot of bookmakers are probably favoring for good reason. You know, that, that LSU football team making the SEC West, you know, winning the SEC West last year, I thought was a tremendous coaching job by Brian Kelly 
you go back and look at that roster, they're starting two true freshmen at tackle. You know, Jane Daniels is playing with basically a broken ankle. Keyshawn Booty had already been a cancerous issue at that point in the locker room. I mean, they were a downtrodden football team, and somehow, some way, LSU found a way to win the SEC West. I think they are a much healthier football team. They're a much more experienced football team. They're a much better football team this year out there at LSU. So I think that's a lot of the reasons why you're not hearing a ton of buzz about Alabama quarterback issues, and damn, that LSU football team's pretty good. Yeah, you mentioned it, Brooks. I'm not as high on LSU as other people are because I don't like Jaden Daniels, but I'll tell you what, I, I understand Alabama's got some concerns at quarterback, but to me, if they allow Jalen Milrow to run, I don't think you can tackle this guy if it's flag football. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. I know a lot of people haven't seen him, but I, I just think nine and a half wins is underestimating Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Just with the talent on the roster, and you look at Jace McClellan at the tailback position, they got some good guys coming in. Justice Haynes, Richard Young, a couple of good freshmen. I, I, I don't know. Are we this Every time we underestimate Alabama, we get burned. Yeah, I don't do it. Nine and a half wins right there is assuming that they're going to win. You're like, if you're betting that, you're assuming they're going to lose three wins or three yeah. games. I can't pick out three losses on the schedule. Yeah. If you told me they're going to lose to Texas and LSU, okay, we still win our bet. You know what I'm saying? We yep. still get the 10. So I, I think nine and a half. I don't, I don't see the third loss on the schedule, um, even though that, that Tennessee LSU back to back looks a little difficult. But you get Texas at home. I, uh, that's the schedule. Uh, that's the season, basically, for them. Texas. Tennessee and LSU right there on the slate. They win two out of three of those football games. I think they're certainly not going to lose all three. Yeah. I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule and the Texas A&M game, I think is a lot is one of those all that a lot of people have pinpointed is okay. Big, big upset watch, but it, that, you know, you obviously have to draw a line to how good do you believe A&M will be in 23? A&M always looks like Tarzan plays like James. <laughs> I had a feeling we get Amen, a good, a good one line of that. <laughs> hey, Brooks, can you stick around for one more segment? Have a couple other uh, topics we want to throw your way. Yeah, no doubt, guys. Awesome. We're going to have, uh, yeah, Brooks, stick around because I want to know maybe if we'll tra- obviously transition some other uh, Heisman stuff from all, but it, could there be a, a team in the SEC that gives gives other teams a harder time than maybe is the perception out there in the league right now? Always such a deep, tough conference. And also want to get uh, Brooks has taken some of the latest Heisman odds movement. There has been a respected group that came in, hammered one quarterback in the Big 12 whose odds have now continued to rocket downward. We'll discuss when we return right here on Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, there are lots of sounds that you might hear. You can hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of first responders desperately trying to save you. You can even hear the sound of people crying at a funeral, because if you drive over the speed limit, you could do damage that's beyond repair. One way or another, speeding catches up with you. Paid for by NHTSA. As we welcome you back, Brooks Austin sticking around for another segment with us here on Sharp Money, talking all things college football. Brooks is the director of recruiting for Fan Nation of Sports Illustrated, also uh, writes on the and covers the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, and we have a lot of other topics to get to, Brooks, and we appreciate you sticking around for one more segment. Uh, the other burning question I have for you, as far as the SEC goes, where it is viewed, at least on the odds board, of Georgia, Alabama, LSU, one, two, three. What's a team outside that top three that you're a little bit higher on than the market that you view could give a, a lot of issues to teams week in, week out that people aren't really talking about right now. You know, we already talked a little bit about Ole Miss, but I I think one football coach and one football program that I stand on the mountain for every year because they're just perennially above average, that's Kentucky. Do you know Mark Stoops and the Kentucky Wildcats have made bowl games in the last seven years, dating back to 2016? That's longer than Tennessee. That's longer than Florida. That's longer than Ole Miss. That's longer than Texas A&M. That's longer than Notre Dame. That's longer than Texas. It's longer than some of the programs that we, like, put up in the upper echelons of college football. And that's just Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops is just perennially 7-5. and five. Mark Stoops is look up in the middle of October, and damn, he's within two scores of Georgia and got the ball, you know, in the middle of the fourth quarter, kind of giving him a run. That's who Kentucky is. I think Kentucky is, like, Every single year you look up and you're like, why is Kentucky giving that football team who is supposed to be way better than them a problem? And it's because Mark Stoops is a good football coach. And you add on the fact that they got Devin Leary in there as well. They perennially add in an NFL offensive mind, offensive coordinator. They just cycle through great football coaches and, uh, you know, above average NFL football players. So I, I think Kentucky is one of those teams every year 
where I'm like, that's SEC football. That's the bottom of their pack. That's their uh, Purdue, if you will, except they actually give people a run for their money every year. (laughs) I I love your entire assessment and the last line about them actually giving people a run for the money. You know, if Will Levis doesn't turn the ball over in Oxford, they had a chance to win that game. You're absolutely right. I don't know if there's more coaches or better coaches that get more out of the talent that they have than Mark Stoops does in Lexington. I want to ask you about the program in Gainesville. I think this is the program, in my opinion. I, I lived in Texas for a long time, and UT thinks they're the greatest thing in the world. But to me, Florida should be the, the standard barrier in college football. When you look at the state, the recruiting, everything, and accessibility and money, is Billy Napier a long-time fit there? I don't see it, to me, at least from my perspective. I don't think he's going to be able to overcome Kirby Smart and that late Saturday in October in Jacksonville every year. Yeah, you know, when I to evaluate football coaches, I go look at the film and I see if, if, if what they're doing is explainable. If I can look at it and I can have a reason as to why they're doing it. And I feel like Billy Napier is a good football coach. I don't, I don't think he does anything or makes any decisions that, I, that, that are head-scratching or that don't make sense to me that are not explainable. And, and, it's, and on top of that, from what I hear out of Gainesville and the people that I know down there and the, the people that I trust, his players love him. So he's a good football coach and his players love him, yet he's not going to have success because he's made a couple of bad decisions, one of which his recruiting staff is way too large. There's way, his, his staff in general is just way too many people, just way too many things, way too many people touching your uh, organization, which means way too much information gets out. It's not really a tight-knit, tight-ran uh, you know, environment, which is kind of what all successful college football programs are. So that kind of bothers me as well. I also think he has bad luck, tremendous bad luck, like so ba- so much bad luck that like he took over a job after Dan Mullen did, which Dan Mullen is a great offensive coordinator. I think he's a top like 35 mind offensively, but he is not a very good CEO of an organization. Yeah. So things just deteriorated over and over and over uh, time there in Gainesville. So he took over a roster that was extremely depleted. So not only do we have a depleted roster, not only is the quarterback situation kind of iffy because we got a one-year starter in Anthony Richardson, and now we're looking at Graham Mertz. Have you seen that 2024 schedule? Holy smokes. So there's no way that we can just survive three years of like six and seven. Maybe they're a five, you know, a four and eight football team this year. Maybe they win five games this year. And then they have to go play that 2024 slate. So as good of a football coach as I think Billy Napier is, just a lot of bad luck there, man, that he ain't going to overcome, I don't believe. I love the breakdown and agree with you there. That schedule in 2024 is brutal. But, Ben, to me, I'll tell you the biggest mistake. They allowed Graham Mertz on campus. This guy had one good game in his career at Wisconsin. It was against Illinois, and he's been chasing that game the rest of his career. He gets a text or a tweet from uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes that's been downhill ever since. I'm telling you right now, Jack Miller or Graham Mertz are your options. Hey, hello offseason. You're going to miss 15 practices in December. Congratulations. Yeah, you're not, not following up in you know, the footsteps of some great, you know, the Wisconsin quarterbacks of, of my youth, you know, the Jim Sorgies, Brooks Bollinger's of the world. Best bounce passes I've ever seen. (laughs) Florida five and a half, by the way, is that is that win total? So everything you're uh, you're saying, Brooks. I mean, right on the money as far as expectations here for 2023. Uh, One thing I did notice, speaking of quarterbacks who, uh, you know, at least least these there are some quarterbacks who are getting a lot of buzz as far as the Heisman goes, and you've got Caleb Williams as the front runner. But I did notice the other day uh, some a a lot of betting interest coming in very very recently. We saw a big shift in the odds as Quinn Ewers of Texas now has moved to the co second favorite along with Jane Daniels, each at 12 to one. Uh, for, for this buzz and the hype on you were sure it's Texas. It's a Longhorn program. It's all that's been a publicly backed team for so long, but uh, what do you make of, of all this Hewers hype here? It is 12 to one still a legit number actually on a Heisman front. I, I think it's funny how his boost in his Heisman odds coincide with him going viral for a workout photo of him, like <laughs> actually having his body put together. Um, those are those are connected, by the way. People are talking about Quinn Ewers, how his body has like reformed this offseason, how he's like rededicated himself to football. You guys follow NFL football too. I'm sure you've heard these types of narratives. Yep. Um, they they come out during the offseason and, and that's all fine and good. I gotta see like week in and week out success from Quinn Ewers. So if you start seeing Quinn Ewers stack consistent uh performances then start hammering the Heisman odds because Caleb Williams is going to come out this offseason or this season anyways, and he's going to light it up. So I would imagine the odds kind of stick where they are. Um, Quinn might get a slight, maybe it bumps up to eight to one. I think that's better value. Once you see week in and week out consistency, than just taking it off rip right now um, based off of, Hey, he's got a six pack. That's great. He's always been a great athlete. He's always been a great thrower of the football. 
it's a it's a matter of whether or not he's going to consistently do the things required to be great at quarterback. You know, like hit your check down when you're supposed to, or tie your feet to your eyes when you go from read one to read three. You know what I'm saying? Like those things are required to be great week in and week out in college football. And Quinn hasn't quite shown those yet, but maybe he will. Brooks, I agree with you completely. I'm going to give you a name. Tell me what you think. I love this guy a lot of 14 to one. Look, Caleb's tremendous. I think the voters are going to expect to have a huge type of season. Lamar actually had a better year. The second year didn't win the Heisman. So I think that's the one thing that could work negatively against Caleb Williams, but Jordan Travis at Florida state. And the reason why I bring his name up, I think he's a tremendous dual threat guy. And also they play two marquee games in September, which I think allows him a little leeway in terms of getting out in front of everybody. Yeah, I like, you know, Travis a lot. I like what Mike Norvell does from a run scheme perspective for him. And you are correct in the in the sense that, hey, you're going to have a lot of national limelight football games this year. Michael Penix Jr. is going to light it up out there in the Pac-12 this year. I'm just going to let everybody know that. That dude throws a tremendous ball. Adunze, that's a name. I don't know Adunze's first name, but Adunze is a baller. He's about 6'3", 205, and can flat out go get it. So I, I like what Michael Penix is going to do this year. Um, also, no Carson Beck on there. Brock Vandergriff is on the odds at 35 to one. He's not even going to win the job. Okay. It's going to be Carson Beck. So if you talk about long shot odds, he's not even on the board right now. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the two time defending national title winner. And they don't play a daggum game, a real game. That's going to be within seven points of the spread until November. So Carson Beck, if you can find it anywhere, hammer it. We got it at DraftKings at 20 to 1. The odds are not as long, but I tend to agree with you. I think he's got an opportunity for a great season. You don't have Oh, there it is, right there. Yeah. yeah. You don't have an overwhelming running back like you had in the past. By the way, I always love when James Cook was there. Never understood why they didn't utilize him more. And you mentioned Roma Dunze over at Washington. This guy, Ben, is going to be a potential first-round pick. He's probably going to go behind the two dudes from Ohio State in terms of Harrison and Egbuka, but Roma Dunze can play and Jalen McMillan as well. This team's going to be dangerous in terms of the yep. passing game. Penix has a chance this year to throw for about 4,500 yards. It's not out of the question. No, no, well, no, no. Yeah. Think, when you think about the personnel and, yeah. and the schedule as well, third favorite right now, Washington in that Pac-12. All right, Brooks, we can't thank you enough for the time. Thanks so much for sticking around another segment. Thank you so much for stopping by, and uh, we will be following in. Brooks Austin, BA there on Twitter. Uh, a lot of great content here still to come before the start of the year. Y'all have a good one, boys. Thank you. We absolutely will. Yeah, and you think about, too, where uh, I was talking with uh, Thor Nystrom from, uh, from Betting Pros the other day, and, and he said of all games, you talk about on the Jordan Travis point of all, of every single game that he has already you know, run through you know, algorithm and, and looking at the lines for week one, that's like the, the most coin flippy of every FBS game, LSU-Florida State. He would make it exactly a pick uh, Right now, LSU is about a, uh, what, two-and-a-half-point favorite there, neutral site in Orlando. So. I that, that, that will continue to be, I think, the most fascinating week one handicap we have. I don't understand that. I love the Seminoles in that game. You're playing I, in I Orlando. Too. The last time they played in New Orleans, it's 70 miles from the Baton Rouge campus. Now you've got a Florida State team with a lot more confidence. Right? When they went into that game against LSU, they were hoping to win. Now they're going in expecting to win. This is a different Seminoles team. Look, for Florida State, the expectation this year is not only winning the ACC, but it's the college football playoff. An undefeated regular season in Tallahassee is not out of the uh, possibility. The Miami game is a rivalry game. It's always going to be tough. The game for me is not the LSU game. It's the game in Death Valley at the end of Great September. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Co-favorites with Clemson this year in the ACC. We'll transition, talk a little NFL. Brett Martell from the AP in New Orleans joins us right after this. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? 
Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today, and new customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonuses instantly. Use promo code VSIN when you sign up. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Well, it's the latest we've ever had to wait, but we finally have the team that will be on Hard Knocks and all. I can, t- I can sense the anticipation from, from across the desk with, the, with, with the hard knocks. <laughs> Going to be the New York Jets in 2023. We have Antoine Staley set to join us right now. Talk a little Jets. Talk some AFC East as a whole here as we break down that division and previewing the 2023 NFL season. Give him a follow at Antoine Staley. Covers the Jets for the New York Daily News. And it was sort of that, uh, that, that unkept secret, I suppose, Antoine. We all sort of knew it was going to happen. And finally, it's fa- made official. So uh, just yet another... I guess, you know, I guess a microscope on this Jets team that has been broken, you know, broken down so vociferously all offseason. Uh, what's what's been the, the main thing that stood out to you from the time that quarterback Aaron Rodgers got to OTAs that that has been something that he that you've really been focusing on as far as how this team is trying to gel uh, if it is going to be a successful year in 2023 with Aaron Rodgers in the fold? Well, I think he's really changed the culture of the team I mean, in the short time. I mean, he's holding players accountable. He's be any meetings, not necessarily quarterback meetings and wide receivers meetings, running back meetings, offensive line. He's helping out the players learn a new offense because Nathaniel Hackett is now the new offensive coordinator. So I think they just, you know, they'll hear the word about accountability and just, you know, trying to change, you know, the culture really. Basically, this is a young team that finished seven and ten last year, had an opportunity to make the playoffs. They were seven and four at one point in time and lost it straight to end the year and you know, that's a, they left a bitter taste in their mouth. And now with Aaron Rodgers, they believe that they have an opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl. But, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing there, just uh, just changing the whole culture and the vibe around Fulham Park. You know, that's something that Aaron Rodgers has done in his short time there. Antoine, how much does the defense improve with an offense that doesn't go three plays and a punt on fourth down every two series? I think last year, uh, their defense, despite not getting a lot of turnovers, I mean, they finished fourth in the league in points allowed and also yards. So I think anytime you can add a guy like Aaron Rodgers who can, you know, keep the offense on the field and keep you rested, I think that's going to be a big deal. I think you saw the defense for the Jets kind of wear down late in the season last year. They definitely wasn't really the same unit there. They let up some big plays there where you talk about, you know, against the Detroit Lions there or against the Seattle Seahawks late in the season uh, that were backbreakers. So to have a guy like that that can keep your offense on the field. And also I think a running game too. If Brees Hall can get back to form, of course he tore his ACL last year against Denver, he can return somewhere close to the form that he was. I think that would be, you know, very beneficial to the defense. And that's why everybody, Antoine, they're focusing on the offensive side because of the addition of Aaron Rodgers. But when you look at the defense, even one that was, as you mentioned, just taxed so heavily with the lack of offensive play. Finished fourth and fewest yards per drive allowed in the NFL. This was a top six pass defense, top 12 rush defense. From the personnel perspective, what, what adjustments, what changes do you expect we'll see on the field when we actually look at what the Jets defense presents in this upcoming season? 
I mean, first and foremost, uh, trying to get Quinn Williams happy. Uh, obviously, right now he's in a bit of a he's not ha- he's unhappy because his con- like a you know contract extension. You know, the Jets and Quinn Williams have been talking for a while about a contract extension. Nothing has been has come to fruition. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but he is in their plans, and they do want to keep him for the foreseeable future. There, they just have to have some things that show up there first, first and foremost about Aaron Rodgers' uh, particular contract situation. But yeah, you get him back, and you know, you still have C.J. Mosley there. I know they. They don't technically have Quan Alexander there, who I think was a big part of the defense last year, but they can re-sign him at any time there. Uh, obviously, the quarterback room is legit where you have a guy like Sauce Gardner, who was a first-team all-pro, the first one at the quarterback position as a rookie since Ronnie Lott. And then you also have DJ Reed, who I think is very underrated still in this league. And Michael Carter the second too. I thought he did a tremendous job there, too. So they believe, uh, along with the quarterbacks, they say uh, Jordan Whitehead will have a much better year than what he did last year. I think they believe the defense, it may not be statistically finished fourth like I did last year because that's so hard to do, but they still believe that, you know, they, they are one of the, they're going to be a, one of the elite defenses uh, in the league this upcoming year. Antoine, where do you see the Jets finishing in this division? <laughs> uh, right now, for me, I, I think I'm going to pick them second. Like, I think. Um, a lot of people pick the Bills, but I, you know, I'm just not so sold on the Bills. I don't think they've really done a whole lot. I do think they're a playoff team, but you know, you, you heard the rumors about Stephon Diggs and him not being happy with you know certain instances with the coaching staff or Josh Allen in particular, and it's just a lot of you know noise coming out of there. So I, I think this is an opportunity for the Jets and also the Dolphins. I, I think the Dolphins have an opportunity, provided if Tua can stay healthy. That's the big, obviously the big if, but. If he stays healthy, we saw what Miami was able to do last year, especially with all the weapons that they had. And I think they'll be much improved, especially with Vince Fangio coordinating the defense. But I think I think in the end, you're going to have three playoff teams with the Jets, the Bills, and mm. the Dolphins. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots, you know, even though they might finish in fourth place, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had like eight eight wins or so. That's why I think that's why I think this defense, this division is going to be so tough. And the win totals this year in that division, Buffalo, 10 and a half jets, dolphins, each nine and a half. And then new England with the Patriots seven and a half as Antoine Staley, New York uh, daily news jets beat reporter joins us right now. Give him a follow at Antoine Staley on Twitter. And you've covered this division for a long time, going back to when you're uh, covering the dolphins here. And it, it's just weird to be in this mold now, Antoine, where we're just sort of discounting the Patriots. We we've really barely talked about that team uh, overall here was having still a head coach and bill Belichick at the helm with a seven and a half win total. If, if new England is going to break up the party, you said, your prediction is, is three playoff teams here. Like, what realistically has to happen for the Patriots to actually be a threat aside from just, well, it's Belichick and he's, he's got all the rings. So you just sort of trust him. What else besides that will, will need to take place here for new England to have some sort of success. Well, Matt Jones needs to play kind of like how he did as a rookie. I think having, you know, getting Bill O'Brien there to coordinate the office last you had Matt Patricia and, you know, a lot of guys that had no business uh, being there trying to coordinate an office, especially with a young quarterback. Now you have Bill O'Brien who, you know, whatever you just want to say about his uh, experience with the Texans, I mean, the man was a winner. Like, he was, you know, success, the successful job there in Houston. And now he comes to New England, back to New England. And I think that'll be, you know, obviously he's been in the Belichick system before with the Patriots there. So he has, he'll have no problem kind of coordinating and meshing with Belichick in that regard. But yeah, I think, you know, if he can get, you know, Matt Jones to be confident and lower the interceptions and uh, be, look like a quality quarterback and you know you got Ramondae Stevens they have I think the Patriots have the best offensive line in the division by far and then you would know their defense is going to be sound Matthew Judon is just a complete beast and uh, one of the better defense rushers in the in the NFL so I think they they have a shot I mean I wouldn't be surprised if they were to win nine games maybe but at the same time I wouldn't be surprised if they were to win seven seven or eight but yeah I think they're going to have a lot to say about who this, who's end up winning this division in the end because ultimately you, you might have to sweep the pages in order to do it. And we, as we know, no matter how they are, it's always going to be a tough task. Antoine, when you look at the AFC big picture, who, give me your top three teams before we even start the regular season. <laughs> you put me on the spot yeah, here. Sorry, uh, I apologize. <laughs> Jamal does that. Yeah. that time. It's all good. As of right now, obviously all this contains, but you know what? I, I know a lot of people are picking Kansas city and, you know, right from the show with Patrick Mahomes and company. But I really like the Bengals. I really think this is going to be their time to shine. So for me, 
I would put Cincinnati there, especially with the addition of Orlando Brown Jr. I think that was huge to try to fortify the offensive line. So I would put the Bengals slightly over the Chiefs there. Uh, obviously, it's Kansas City number two. And then third, I mean, uh, I, I would, I'll put the Dolphins. I'll put the Dolphins just because, like I said, I like what I saw last year. I thought they were hitting on all cylinders just about – you know, it's the biggest if Tua can stay healthy. So if he can, then, you know, I think the Dolphins can definitely contend in, in the AFC. If not, then, you know, you have to look at somebody like the Chargers or even Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville is going to continue to get better with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson uh, behind the scenes there. Yeah, high praise for, for the Miami Dolphins coming in. And, but you look at what what Vic Fangio will bring as a defensive coordinator. I'm just fascinated to see, Antoine, it, it's such a stark contrast to what they've had as this blitz-heavy team, even when – even when you go back to the Brian Flores led Dolphins teams of years past. So how, like just how different is Miami going to look defensively based on scheming perspective and, and what Fangio is going to try to do there for a defense that has really struggled the last couple of years. I think uh, schematically, I think it's a lot. It's going to be probably about the same, like as far as what they run, it's going to run like, you know, a three, four system. It's just a matter of, you know, getting players in the right uh, form. And, you know, Bradley, Chubb, they, they spent a lot to go get Bradley Chubb there pretty much at the uh, train deadline last year. We know Chubb is, you know, he was there in Denver when Fangio was uh, there, you know, with the Broncos. So, uh, and one thing Fangio could do is coordinate defenses there. So I think the biggest difference you're definitely going to see is the secondary, you know, getting Jalen Ramsey yeah. there, you know, go along with uh, Xavier Howard, who looks like he's healthy now. Last year he played, you know, well less than 100%. But if you get those guys, you know, going right, they're one of the top, if not the top, best quarterback uh, group in the NFL. And then you also have a budding star, I think, you know, and uh, Javon Holland too. So, yeah, I think the secondary is also going to be key. Uh, that's what Vic Fangio specializes in in his defenses there, and I think that's what's going to stand out. Give him a follow at Antoine Staley Outstanding, beat reporter for the New York Jets for the New York Daily News. You're already going to be busy to begin with. You know, this will this will just go up another notch, Antoine. Best of luck with the the upcoming uh, Jets season. You know, it always is. But thank you for joining no, us. We really. appreciate it. I mean, it's going to be a circus either way, but you know, it's just yeah. more media attention. But it was it's good to be on with you, and hopefully, I can come on again. Absolutely, thank we, you very we look, much. look forward to having you on in the future. We'll go over our top plays for the rest of the card, looking ahead to tomorrow when we wrap up the show next. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.